Amazon Books, your weekly program about great reads through book talks, trailers, and first chapters. Presented by Mrs. Winningham and Mrs. Kovach. Hi, this is Mrs. Kovach. Today I'll be reading Two Can Keep a Secret by Karen McManus. Chapter One, Ellery, Friday, August 30th. If I believed in omens, this would be a bad one. There's only one suitcase left on the baggage carousel. It's bright pink and covered with Hello Kitty stickers and definitely not mine. My brother Ezra watches it pass by for the fourth time, leaning on the handle of his own oversized suitcase. The crowd around the carousel is nearly gone, except for a couple arguing about who was supposed to keep track of their rental car reservation. Maybe you should take it, Ezra suggested. Seems like whoever owns it wasn't on our flight, and I bet they have an interesting wardrobe. A lot of polka dots, probably, and glitter. His phone chimes and he pulls it out of his pocket. Nana is outside. I can't believe this, I mutter, kicking the toe of my sneaker against the carousel's metal side. My entire life was in that suitcase. It's a slight exaggeration. My entire life was in... California until about eight hours ago. Other than a few boxes shipped to Vermont last week, the suitcase contains what's left. I guess we should report it. Ezra scans the baggage claim area, running a hand over his close-cropped hair. He used to have thick, dark curls like mine hanging in his eyes, and I still can't get used to the cut he got over the summer. He tilts his suitcase and pivots towards the information desk. Over here, probably. The skinny guy be... Behind the desk looks like he could still be in high school, with a rash of red pimples dotting his cheeks and his jawline. A gold name tag pinned crookedly to his blue vest reads Andy. Andy's thin lips twist when I tell him about my suitcase, and he cranes his neck towards the Hello Kitty bag still making laps around the carousel. Flight 5624 from Los Angeles with a layover in Charlotte? I nod. You sure that's not yours? Positive. Bummer. It'll turn up, though. You've got to fill this out. He yanks open a drawer and pulls out a form, sliding it towards me. There's a pin in here somewhere, he mutters, pawing half-heartedly through a stack of papers. I have one. I unzipped the front of my backpack, pulling out a book that I placed on the counter while I felt around for a pen. Ezra raises his brows when he sees the battered cover. Really, Ellery, he asked. You brought in cold blood on the plane? Why didn't you just ship that with the rest of your books? It's valuable, I said defensively. Ezra rolls his eyes. You know that that's not Truman Capote's actual signature. Sadie got fleeced. Whatever. It's a thought that counts, I mutter. Our mom bought me the signed first edition copy off of eBay after she landed a role as dead body number two on Law and Order four years ago. She gave Ezra an album that was autographed that he really wanted. We should have gotten a car with reliable brakes instead, but Sadie's never been great at long-term planning. Anyway, you know what they say. When in Murderland, I finally extract a pen and started scratching my name across the form. You're headed for Echo Ridge then, Andy asked. I paused on the second C of my last name and he added, they don't call that Murderland anymore, you know, and you're early. It, it doesn't open for another week. I know, I didn't mean the theme park. I meant I trailed off before saying town and shoved in cold blood into my bag. Never mind, I said, returning my attention to the form. How long does it take to get your stuff back? 
Shouldn't be more than a day, Andy's eyes drifted between Ezra and me. You guys look a lot alike. You twins? I nodded and kept writing. Ezra, ever polite, answers, we are. I was supposed to be a twin, Andy said. The other one got absorbed in the womb, though. Ezra lets out a surprised little snort, and I bite back a laugh. This happens to my brother all the time. People overshare the strangest things with him. We might have the same face, but he is the one everybody trusts. I always thought it would be cool to have a twin. You could pretend to be one another and mess with people. I look up and Andy is squinting at us again. Well, I guess you can't do that. You aren't the right kind of twins. Definitely not, Ezra said with a fixed smile. I write faster and hand the completed form to Andy, who tears off the top sheet and gives me the yellow carbon. So somebody will get in touch with you, right? I ask. Yep, Andy says. You don't hear from us tomorrow. I'll call the number at the bottom. Have fun in Echo Ridge. Ezra exhales loudly as we head for the revolving door, and I grin at him over my shoulder. You make the nicest friends. He shudders. Now I can't stop thinking about it. Absorbed? How does it even happen? Did he? No, I'm not even going to speculate. I don't want to know. What a weird thing to grow up with, though, knowing how easily you could have been the wrong twin. We push through the door into the blast of stifling, exhaust-filled air that takes me by surprise. Even on the last day of August, I had expected Vermont to be a lot cooler than California. I pull my hair off my neck while Ezra scrolls through his phone. Nana says she's circling because she doesn't want to park in the lot, he, re he reports. I raise my brows at him. Nana's texting and driving? Apparently. I haven't seen my grandmother since she visited us in California 10 years ago, but from what I can remember, she's, that seemed out of character. We wait a few minutes, wilting in the heat, until a forest green Subaru station wagon pulls up beside us. The passenger side window rolls down, and Nana sticks her head out. She doesn't look much different than she does over Skype, although her thick gray bangs appear freshly cut. Go on, get in, she calls, side-eyeing the traffic cop a few feet from us. They won't let you idle for more than a minute. She pulls her head back in, and Ezra wheels his solitary suitcase towards the trunk. When we slide into the back seat, Nana turns to face us, and so does a younger woman behind the steering wheel. Ellery, Ezra, this is Madeline Kilduff. Her family lives down the street from us. I have terrible night vision, so Madeline was kind enough to drive us. She used to babysit your mother when she was young. You've probably heard the name. Ezra and I exchange wide-eyed glances. Yes, yes, we have. Sadie left Echo Ridge when she was 18, and she had only been back twice. The first time was a year before we were born, when our grandfather died from a heart attack, and the second one was five years ago for Madeline's teenage daughter's funeral. Ezra and I watched the Dateline special, Mystery at Murderland, at home while our neighbor stayed with us. I was transfixed by the story of Lacey Kilduff, the beautiful blonde homecoming queen from my mother's hometown, found killed in Halloween in a Halloween theme park. Airport Andy was right. The park's owner changed his name from Murderland to Fright Farm a few months later. I'm not sure the case would have gotten as much national attention if the park hadn't had such an on-the-nose name, or if Lacey hadn't been the second pretty teenager from Echo Ridge from the same exact street even to make the tragic headlines. Sadie wouldn't answer our questions when she got back from Lacey's funeral. I just wanted to forget about it, she said whenever we asked, which is what she's been saying about Echo Ridge our entire lives. Ironic, I guess, that we ended up here anyway. Nice to meet you, Ezra said to Madeline while I somehow managed to choke on my, 
owned saliva, he pounds me on the back harder than necessary. Madeline is pretty in a faded sort of way, with pale blonde hair pulled into a French braid, light blue eyes, and a sprinkle of freckles. She flashes a disarming gap-toothed smile. You as well. Sorry we're late, but we had a surprising amount of traffic. How was your flight? Before Ezra could answer, a loud rap sounds on the roof of the Subaru, making Anna jump. You need to keep moving, the traffic cop calls. Burlington is the rudest city, Nana huffs. She presses a button on the door to close her window as Madeline eases the car and behind a taxi. I fumble with my seatbelt as I stare at Madeline's head. I was expecting to meet her, hadn't been expecting to meet her like this. I figure I would eventually since she and Nana were neighbors, but I thought it would be more of a wave while taking out the trash, not an hour-long drive as soon as we landed in Vermont. I'm so sorry to hear about your mother, Madeline says as she exited the airport and pulled onto the narrow highway dotted with green signs. It's almost 10 o'clock at night, and a small cluster of buildings in front of us glows with light wind lit windows. But I'm glad she's getting the help she needs. Sadie's such a strong woman. I'm sure she'll be back soon, but I hope you enjoy your time in Echo Ridge. It's a lovely little town. I know Nora is looking forward to showing you around. There. That's how you navigate an awkward conversation. No need to, to lead with sorry your mom drove her car into a jewelry store while she struggled with opioids and had to go to rehab for four months, just acknowledging the elephant in the room, sidestepped and segued into a smoother conversational waters. Welcome to Echo Ridge. If you want to read more, here's what the back of the book says. Ellery's aunt was the first to go missing. Ellery knows all about secrets. Her mother has them. Her grandmother does too. And so does Echo Ridge, the picture-perfect town she's just been forced to move to, the place where girls go missing and sometimes wind up dead.